Welcome back to another episode of Mixed Adventures Together. We're your hosts, Joe and Andrea. In this week's episode, it's going to be taking on a more serious tone as we discuss mental health. Please be warned that this is a serious topic and we are not health professionals. Read our show notes for resources if you or someone you love might need professional care. Thanks for joining us. So you know, Joe, this week was the finale of WandaVision. Yep. WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. Big hit. A lot of people watched. A lot of people talking about it. Yeah. It was really good. It was. Very good. It was very good, especially if you're a Marvel fan. Yeah. Not a huge Marvel fan, but I really enjoyed it. I really liked the way they present, um, they set up each episode in a different, like, television decade. It was really clever. But one thing that they didn't really delve into, which was kind of a central premises in the, in the series, was that she was going through deep grief. Yeah, she was kind of having a mental break. Yes. And no one was really trying to help her. Exactly. They were using her. Mm-hmm. They weren't trying to help her. Exactly. That this woman was suffering a mental break and no one tried to help her. They were just either her victims or they were like her punishers. Yeah. They were trying to arrest her, which I think, yes, she does just need to be arrested. <laughs> Because she held all those people hostage for however long. Yeah. Um, but she needs she needs help. And then yeah. the end of the series, she doesn't really resolve her grief issues. Uh, not really. But she I accepts think she, who she, she is, but she's still grieving. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it was. Yeah, she realized that. No spoilers. She couldn't have what she had or what she wanted. Right. So, yeah, at the end, they never really result, like, no one actually helped her go through it. Mm-hmm. To process her grief. Yeah, but she kind of, she she's not completely done with the grief, but she accepted who she was. She's not going to have it. Uh, the life that she wanted. Okay, yeah. The li- so, but there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, yeah. it goes through her parents' death. Uh-huh. I mean, spoiler alert, if you have not ever seen any Marvel video m- movies, which, what planet are you on? Um, yeah, because this takes <laughs> this, place during, like, uh, a lot of Age the movies. of Ultron. Yeah, a lot of the different movies. One. When they first introduce the Wanda character, Yeah. Um, the Scarlet, well, she's not called Scarlet Witch during the movies. What is no. she called? Wanda. Just Wanda. <laughs> Wanda, you know, her death of her parents, the death of her brother, the, you know, the death of her, the love of her life. It's just one death after the other. And yeah, they don't ever show her actually processing any grief. Um, it's just her going through it. Yeah, but just going, never through go- de- going through that depressive state and... Never really emerging from it. Right. Um, well, in a way, well... The mother's death, yeah, they really never gave her time to actually grieve either. Right. It was always on to the next thing. Because even after the parents' death, she got kidnapped Mm -hmm. by, and then radicalized. So she Mm -hmm. never really, she, I guess she overcame the thing, the grief by radicalizing? Or she (laughs) just ignored it. Bringing on something else? Yeah. So it was like, 
something else was more important. But then she always had her brother with her. Right. But then, once her brother died, Vision kind of came in to... stepped into that companion. Start to help that process. But then he... Then she had she had to kill him. Mm-hmm. But was even worse was she had to see him die a second time. Twice she had to experience his right. death. One at her own hands, one at someone else's. Yeah, so it's like double death. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's that was, and no one helped her after that. Yeah, there was no one there. She kind of just and she left imp- society, like left society, and she imploded. Yeah, and even at the end of this series, she just leaves again right (laughs) full of grief yeah you know it's it's something that i think warrants a conversation now this conversation that we're gonna have today is not about grief even though i think we've both experienced grief we feel we understand the pain of loss um me you know not so not so deeply as you have felt Mm -hmm. um but you know that's that's not that's a different conversation that i think we should explore because grief is a definite normal part of life you know right. we're all going to lose family members loved ones yeah um as part of the process of, of life right with yeah. small children we're taught like well you know maybe maybe a grandparent passes or something like that and we, we're we're exposed to it rather early and unexpectedly there's no way to plan for grief right your goldfish died your puppy you said, died right. yeah you know a grandparent may pass you know like it's part of growing up yeah um not to Wanda's intense, you know, traumatic experience. Yeah, yeah, that was. That was that's that's for that's television, or no? Unfortunately, it, that's it could some be real life. life yeah. Yes, um, but mental health disorders is something that I think needs to be a normalized conversation. And talking about it and helping people go through it and not abandoning them. I I feel so sorry for Wanda. Yeah, having people actually help. Or want you to get help and show you where to get that help. Yes. Uh, So, the one that I want to discuss today, um, even though it feels like we're talking about grief, but no. The one that I want to talk about is one that I suffer from or live with. um, And that is an anxiety disorder. Yeah. And I think that it is very common in our society for people to have anxiety disorders to different degrees or levels. Right. um, As... Having anxiety is like a normal part of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's anyone can have anxiety. It's normal. It doesn't have to be a disorder. It's just like a survival instinct that we inherited from our ancient ancestors, the cavemen. Right. Right. So yeah. things like, you know, I'm walking down a, a dark alley or street and I'm going to be a little anxious about that, knowing that that Something... could be a dangerous place because stuff have happened in dark alleys before right and we've got taught that it's kind of in our dna that the dark is bad mm-hmm. so there are things we can't see in the dark so being in the dark is bad so our bodies react with a bit of anxiety to keep us alert and that is normal right you know it's it's just that yeah i like the the alertness that we become more aware of our surroundings for safety. Right. Completely normal. Um, it's when it's when it becomes that right. that alertness is always in effect 
in times when you are not in dangerous situations. Yeah. Um, that's when it becomes a little bit more than normal. Yeah. Um, so I, from the cedar cyanide, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. From the Mayo Clinic website, uh-huh. I just pulled out what's the definition of an anxiety disorder. Okay, what's the definition? The definition is it's a mental health disorder characterized by feelings of worry, anxiety, or fear that are strong enough to interfere with one's daily activities. And so it's the idea that feelings of worry is normal. Anxiety, normal. Fear, normal. Those are all normal feelings. It's when it's so strong that you can't function in a day that it becomes an issue, right? Um, so it's it's the idea of that feeling, repeated episodes of strong feelings of intense anxiety or terror that reaches to a peak within minutes. So it's not like the course of a day, it's within the course of a few minutes that you are feeling all these uh, feelings um, and then you have pretty much a panic attack. Because your body doesn't know what to do. It doesn't know where the where the yeah. danger is. It doesn't understand why this um, feeling, why these feelings are coming up, and how to process them. Yeah, it's all that combining into one, and it just like kind of all of a sudden within minutes. Yeah, um, it's that overwhelming feeling of fear or terror. Mm-hmm. Um, those are. The characteristics of somebody who will have panic attacks or might suffer from the or live with the uh, anxiety disorder. Um, so common signs of anxiety when it might interfere. Well, let's talk about this. Let's go. I'm okay. someone who has the social anxiety disorder and Joe is someone who just is the normal human. <laughs> Normal human anxiety. <laughs> I mean, I'm a human, but <laughs> my feelings of anxiety are abnormal. Okay. So normal versus abnormal feelings. So I'm going to go through the symptoms and we'll see, like, I feel like these symptoms could happen to anyone. Yeah. And that's why I want, you know, conversations about mental health to be more out in the open because I feel like reading through some of these symptoms everyone's felt these this way right at it's, some point it's just when it becomes frequent and it interferes with life that it becomes the disorder when it yeah it's the disruption of your life that creates that not problem but need for Maybe something it, else yeah for additional care so feeling nervous restless or tense joe have you ever felt that way i think almost everybody's felt that way yeah <laughs> that just nervous feeling of Going into like maybe a different situation, a new situation, sure. or maybe talking to somebody new, or mm-hmm. that first interview. Absolutely, those are normal feelings. Having a sense of impending danger, panic, or doom. Uh, again, uh, I think a lot of people have that, but probably not like as overwhelming mm-hmm. as someone with maybe a disorder, the disorder, right? But as a normal person, yeah. how frequently do you? Feel the impending sense of danger, panic, or doom. Not very often. Mm-hmm. So like, for somebody with a disorder, I feel yeah. this daily. That sense of doom to the point where maybe I don't want to leave the house. Yeah. Because I'm 
I don't know where the climax is going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, there are days where I'm, I wake up and the doom, the feeling of doom is lesser. <laughs> like <laughs> it might happen, you know, in a few hours, it might happen not at all today. Um, with my sense of panic, oftentimes I can feel a panic attack coming on days in advance. Wow. Uh, so it just depends on the level for me that yeah. I can like, oh, I can feel it coming, but it's not going to happen today. <laughs> but then that also will add to my anxiety, anxiety. because I know it's coming. <laughs> so um, that sense of panic. So again, that frequency. Having an increased heart rate. Uh, not very often. Uh, I only ever feel that increase of heart rate when I'm in the middle of a panic attack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's not often for me either, unless I'm in the middle of one. Um, breathing rapidly. I only breathe rapidly when I'm like, uh, walking upstairs. That's a different, that's, <laughs> that's a different podcast. That's, yeah, that's another, that's a whole other one. Too. That's a different episode. <laughs> uh, sweating. I don't sweat. I sweat, but not for those reasons. <laughs> so that's not one of our symptoms. No. Trembling. Uh, no, I don't really tremble at all. Like, I will very... tremble. My hands will shake and I, I'll have tremors uh, as I'm going through a panic attack. I will. Feeling weak or tired? Only maybe if I didn't get enough sleep last night. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the fatigue. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily feel weak. But it's that kind of tiredness. Where yeah. You wake up, like you had a full night's sleep, you wake up, but it's still slightly tired because of... Yeah, maybe worrying dreams or I have a lot of stress nightmares and stuff yeah. like that. So um, I will often just be fatigued. Trouble concentrating or thinking about anything other than the present worry. That one, I don't... I don't... You don't overthink something? I don't overthink in the sense of for panicking sake. Yeah. For me, I overthink in a how can I control the situation that I'm going to be in today so that I don't panic. Okay. So I overthink how I can control in order to prevent. Got it. You don't just think about that and like all the stuff that bad that can happen with that. You're just like, okay, this is how I can control. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. I don't think about the bad. Um, I, I avoid. I try to avoid it. Yeah. Let's see. What's another symptom or common symptom for anxiety? Uh, having have trouble. trouble sleeping. I definitely do not have trouble sleeping. Joe can fall asleep <laughs> within two minutes of putting his head down. Yeah. It's so frustrating to me. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas for me, I mean, I will stay awake for a good 45 minutes before I fall asleep. And then I will wake up every two hours after that. Yeah, it's nice where you uh, you do do that. And... Uh huh. I remember being a kid and just being awake, and I remember I used to wake my parents up all yeah. the time, um, and to the point where my mom eventually got me a television for my room. It wasn't. It wasn't like oh, give her a television, you know, so I can watch TV all the time. It was so that I didn't wake them up in the middle of the night anymore. Yeah. So she would so... just say, "Turn the television on, put in a, a DVD." Until you fall asleep again, because I would constantly wake up, and even now I, I have I have my audio book. Yeah. So that if I wake up in the middle of the night, I don't wake up Joe. I, I turn on my audio book. Um, yeah. So, so I have something else to focus on. Uh, but usually, 
I can go about two to three days with no sleep. With or not with no sleep, but with, with broken inconsistent, sleep. Inconsistent, yeah. yeah. I'll have broken sleep. Maybe I'll sleep for an hour or two and then wake up for an hour or two and then go back to sleep. So going back and forth between uh, in and out sleep for a couple of days. And then after that, I, I usually cave in and I'll have to take something asleep. Uh, through the night. Assistant, yeah. Um, so having trouble sleeping. Uh, experiencing gastrointestinal problems. I'm going to say no for me. Um, I feel like when I am nervous sometimes maybe. Yeah. Lately. Mm-hmm. I don't know about it when I was younger. But I think lately it's getting a little more that way. For yeah. me. You have like an upset tummy right before a job interview or right, right before something important is about to happen. Well, even like sometimes like right before work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, you get those like tummy travels and mm-hmm. maybe you have to go to the bathroom like one extra time just to. Right. Yeah. And I think I, a lot of people do that. Right before a big presentation, they're like, wait, let me just go to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> <laughs> that might just be a little a sign of, of anxiety. Yeah. Not that it's bad. It's just a little sign that. I, my body's under a little more stress than normal. Right. I think that's normal. Um, having difficulty controlling your worry. Um, uh, obviously, as somebody who has social disorder, I have trouble controlling how much I worry about things. Right. I don't think I really have, like, difficulty controlling that. Like, I know kind of what to worry about and, Yeah. Yeah, and it's not like you, there aren't things in our lives to worry about, right? We right. worry about our dogs. We worry about, you know, each other. We worry about, you know, for those who have children, they're going to worry about, about their children. That's normal to worry. It's just the idea of it becoming an an over-consuming thought. Right. The worry for A, B, or C. Right. That's when it becomes disruptive. Yeah. Uh, the last symptom uh, that we'll talk about is having the urge to avoid things that trigger anxiety. So, do you ever, I mean, for you, talking to people is something that causes a little bit of anxiety for you. Do you ever try to avoid talking to people? I try to avoid it all the time, but unfortunately <laughs> with my job, I cannot do that. <laughs> I would definitely rather email or like text or chat with somebody rather than actually speak with them over the phone do you think that that is anxiety or the fact that you're an introvert i think as an introvert it kind of is that anxiety is part of being the introvert Mm. that's why i'm an introvert is because me talking to somebody on the phone I'm anxious and I'm using too much energy. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, like, again, I'm not anxious enough to have like, you know, a panic attack or something. It just takes more energy for me to do it to overcome that nervousness or. That is a sign of, of an introvert is it's absolutely draining and exhausting to talk to people. Yeah. For an introvert to go out and have a conversation they would have to like go home and sleep for 24 hours because it is a lot of required energy that we'd rather put someplace else. Right. Um, yeah, I've heard that before. Well, even from you, you've said like after talking on the phone, you when you first started this this new career of yours, yeah, that you would have to, and you're not a nap taker, no, but you would be so tired that you would have to take a nap. Yeah. Because you're just using. 
type of energy that you that's I, uncomfortable for you. It's, it it is draining. Yeah. I'm like I'm getting a little more used to it now. Mm-hmm. But it's Exposure still coming. Therapy. Yeah, pretty much. But like still coming home, I still need like that. I I sit on a couch time. Like I mm-hmm. can't just go jump up and do the, the next thing. Yeah, jump into the next activity. Yeah. No, I totally get that as an introvert too. That where it's like I'd rather just talk to one person in an intimate setting than like a group of people. Right. Which is funny because as a teacher for so many years like that's literally what i did i I spoke to a group of people but it was so nerve-wracking the beginning of a school year for me because these were not people that i was necessarily familiar with yeah and but until i created that more familiar uh, relationship with my students it was very exhausting for me Uh because talking to strangers is difficult <laughs> yeah so until i learned each of my students then i guess comfortable and i could do it you know obviously i did it i love doing it um but yeah i totally get that as an introvert talking to people is difficult <laughs> and i think that's one of the reasons that i will the minute my head hits the pillow i fall asleep because yeah because i'm already like drained and i'm just like running on fumes yeah at so the end like of the day when I hit that pillow, it's like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So for me, um, having to avoid things that trigger anxiety is part of my life. It, I will, again, that's almost why I seem a bit controlling. Yeah. Is because I am avoiding triggers. Yeah. I have to control my situation. And if I can't control it, I can't participate in it. Or it's going to be very difficult for me to participate in it. Right. And so that can be that can be off putting for others that yeah. oh my gosh, she has to be in control of everything. <laughs> but it's because I am trying to function with anxiety. Yeah. And it can be off putting for some people. I understand that because I kinda think that's why I didn't learn to drive really that quickly. Mm-hmm. Is that the anxiety of having other people like i did ride a motorcycle but i kind of felt i was nervous about it like driving like riding my motorcycle but it was more of a i was in control of the situation and if anything happens it was only me right but with a car i have other people in the car with me right it's a bigger thing i can't control it as well and if anything happens i might not be hurt but i might hurt or Somebody else in the Some, Yeah. You. So it was that. Of, I, I did avoid that for so, like, too long. Yeah. To yeah, where, you didn't start driving a car until you were, like, 33? Yeah, it was, like, what, a year after we moved out here? Mm-hmm. But I actually started driving. Right. Yeah, you used a motorcycle for... Years. All of your 20s, yeah. So, that's interesting. To, to I feel more secure in a car... And I'm terrified of motorcycles. Yeah. I think most people are like the opposite of what yeah. I was. I was like, but I felt like I was more. Control. I yeah, I was. I had more control over it. It was more mobile. I could get out of situations a little bit quicker. Uh, the braking was faster. Mm-hmm. The acceleration is faster. Mm-hmm. So everything was more. It was easier to get out of. For right. me. And it, and it's interesting that you're saying this is all because of a fear of hurting someone, of being responsible for endangering somebody else. Right. That's interesting to, to make that connection. 
that's a deep connection. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when do symptoms start? That's a question that I saw when researching anxiety disorder. People wanted to know when does it start? Yeah. And the answer is, it, there's no answer. <laughs> it just depends on the uh, individual. Uh, if they're a child who's experienced abuse um, or yeah. trauma of some sort, it can start at a very young age. Yeah. It can um, be okay. something that is inherited. So mental health disorders are inherit can be inherited uh-huh. um, from from parents and, and grandparents. And, and you can see it in a family. In, yeah, in a family setting, yeah. In right. The... So it, there's no answer as to when symptoms might appear. Um so it's like just based off the individual. Yeah, it's the individual. When I listen to stories about myself as a baby, yeah, it seems that I had social anxiety from the start. Okay. That I would not allow, you know, it's like, oh, you were a sickly baby. You were a colicky baby. You were always crying. Um, and then into where I wouldn't let anyone hold me, where I wouldn't let people... I didn't let strangers hold me. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even let my grandparents help hold me. Um, my dad, for a long time, said he couldn't hold me. Um, that that fear of people. Yeah. Uh, was there at infancy? It, it would from stories that I hear. Uh, my fears started very young. It's like, yeah, like I don't really know what happened, but it sounds more like that was the inherited one, or it yeah. was like. Not necessarily something happened to you where you can't, just, like, you couldn't trust any, like, even your own father. But it's like, something inside you was, instinctually, was like, I can't trust anybody except... My mother. Yeah. Right. And, um, it, you know, I can see it being more, for me, a it, it was a separation anxiety. Uh-huh. So you'll see that with small children. It's right. Like, oh, well, they just need to, they just need more exposure to other people. They just need to blah, blah, blah. Whereas I was having panic attacks when I would go spend the night at my grandparents' house. Yeah. I would cry and freak out. And knowing that I was in a safe environment with my grandma, my grandpa, who I adored. I loved my grandpa so much. And I loved my grandma so much. But the idea of spending the night at their house was terrifying. Um, let's go on, you know, like a, a sleepover, Andrea, at some of the, you know, your best friend Donna's house. Um, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Even though I lived two doors down from Donna. Uh-huh. Um, it was just that being away from... Being away from my mom, I couldn't do it. Yeah. There, there was my first symptoms of having a, an anxiety disorder. I had a separation anxiety disorder. And then that evolved. I eventually grew out of that, <laughs> obviously, because I don't live with my mom anymore. Um, but uh, I grew out of that when I was around, I think the first time I spent the night at someone else's house, I was like 15. Okay. So I eventually grew out of it. Yeah. Was um, it still difficult at 15? or? It was... So I know like even... When I spent, I don't think I really had the, I don't really think I really spent the night at somebody's house. Maybe my one friend a few times, but I think that was like later on. Mm-hmm. But even when I spent somebody a night at somebody's house, like I don't sleep. Mm. Like I can't like get comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, how was it with fifteen? 
was like was there some i don't know if you remember your, the first time but was there still like a slight anxiety but you kind of it was still a family member's house yeah and it's interesting because i think my parents were training me into it over the years because i would i would go to an aunt's an aunt's house about five o'clock in the morning because my parents were dropping me off that early and so i would just go back to sleep uh-huh and then i would wake up at like you know six seven o'clock no yeah. no if i went it'd be like yeah i'd wake yeah, up like, at seven o'clock yeah, so two hours. hours sleeping there and then i would um go to sleep at her house but then my parents would come and get me and i was always an early bird kind of kid i went to bed at like eight o'clock and they would come and get me like at 10 yeah. And so and then that would, I think they might have been training me to get over it. So they kind of slowly. probably saw it that you couldn't do it. So they were. Yeah. And so by the time I was 15, I was sleeping at my great aunt and uncle's house um, in Las Vegas. I had gone a day earlier than the rest of my family I had flown in from, from Burbank, California to Las Vegas. Okay. Uh, they picked me up from the airport. My parents yeah. were coming in the next day. So I had to spend the night. So that was the first time. And again, I adored this great aunt and uncle. Yeah. Loved spending time with them. I was so excited. And I don't think I felt any anxiety. Okay. So that was like really the first time I ever spent 24 hours away from my parents. And felt fine. So I don't... Uh, that, that, that's the first time there was no anxiety involved in it. But I think I've been years and years of, of training to build yeah. up to that. Um, and it also had evolved and morphed by that time into uh, social anxiety. Okay. So, so from separation yeah, or into... A social anxiety. So for me, I didn't know I had social anxiety I thought, like, I'm cured. I'm great. I don't have that separation anxiety anymore. Everything's great. But when I turned 15, it had morphed into social anxiety. So things for me, like, that seem normal to other people is very difficult for me now. And I still have social anxiety. So things like walking into a room where there's already people there yeah. is very difficult for me. So you like to be, like, the first one there. Yes, Okay. I need to be the first one in the room. If I, so I used to go to like my college classes, I would have to I would go like 30 minutes before class started so that I could already be there. Yeah. Walking in as the last person. And it's funny as a, as a school teacher, that is 100% an anxiety that a lot of my students had. Yeah. Like if they were late to school, it was like the most humiliating thing. It was crushing. Even though it was literally just like, okay, put your backpack down. You know, let's go. We're already in grammar. Let's go. Yeah. Like it wasn't a, we didn't call them out. We didn't embarrass them or anything. It was just like, let's go. Um, but it was still like humiliating for like, you know, a kid to, to walk into the class and it's already started like, oh my gosh. Well, because when you're walking in and the class has already started. Everyone. People have a tendency to turn around and look at you. Right. So, it's because, like, you know, like, something disrupted what's happening. Right. So, it's like, what was it? And then, right. so, every, all these eyes are on you. Right. And you're like, like, uh. All eyes are on me. So, unless you, like, you're a born performer and you mm -hmm. want the eyes on you. Right. It's, it becomes, yeah, an anxiety. 
Right. And so for me, I, that was that was mine was I would have to show up to every class early so that I could be the first one in or one of the first few people in the classroom. Yeah. If I was late for any reason, um, I would just skip the class. Like if I if there were probably more than five people in that classroom, yes. I wasn't going in. I would walk to the door, see those people, turn around and walk back out. There's no way I could have gone all the way into the classroom. Um, so that's how, that's when we start to go, oh, that's disrupting your, your life. life. Yeah. Uh, was because I couldn't, I couldn't walk through the threshold of the door. Right. Um, I couldn't, I, it's difficult for me to, if I see a lot of people in front of a restaurant, you know, waiting for their numbers. Yeah. That's hard for me to walk past all those people. Yeah. Um, I would probably rather just go someplace else. <laughs> <laughs> well, at some point, you look at the, those people anyway, and you're like, well, that's going to be a long wait, so yeah. I'm not going to go in there. And I mean, it makes more sense just to go someplace anyway, yeah. so I guess that one's not, like, a horrible No, but it's reason. that walking past. You're or walking have, through a crowded restaurant. It's Again, it's that thing of you're just kind of disrupting the flow of what's happening, so people are going to look at you. Right. So you kind of... I don't know if that's the anxiety. I don't think they actually are looking. If you're walking no, but through that, a restaurant, no one's looking at you. They're eating food. Yeah, They're but it's kind of like that, their table. that feeling of, I'm the one standing up. Right. And I'm the one doing an action. So I have a feeling that people are going to stare at me. Right. So, I yeah, I kind of, is that, is that the anxiety you feel? Or is it just like. There's just a bunch of people in a room. And I don't know them. And I have to walk into it. That's terrifying to me. Um, and then uh, others, let's see, just, yeah, like I was always the person who came to work a little bit earlier because I can't walk into an office full of people. I can't, you know, even though once I'm there, everything's fine. Once yeah. as everyone starts coming in, right. I'm fine. I even was late to my bridal shower because I couldn't be the first one there. The people throwing the bridal shower for me, they said, like, I said, oh, I'll come and help you set up. And they're like, no, Andrea, this is for you. You can't help set up the tables and the centerpieces and the chairs. And I was like, no, no, I want to. Please let me come and, you know, because I have anxiety. They didn't, well, I didn't tell them that because at the time I was, I was ashamed of my anxiety and yeah. what it did to me. Uh, so I didn't tell people that I had it. Um, but I, they, they were, they said, we'll be upset with you if you come, which inadvertently just contributed to the anxiety <laughs> was yeah. that now I'm going to make somebody mad. Um, so it was just like, I have to walk into a room with, there were about 30 people there and, and I have to walk into this room of 30 people. Um, and they're all there to celebrate me and, and my, you know, our, our marriage, um, but I can't be there first. Yeah. Uh, that, that was hard for me. I literally remember laying in bed crying uh, th that morning um, to the point where I was about 30 minutes late. And I remember them calling me like, Andrew, where are you? And I was in bed crying. Like I, I could not mm, get yeah. out of the door uh, because I knew I'd have to walk into this house full of people. And everyone would, yeah, be looking at me. Yeah. It was very difficult. Um, so that's, you know, 
that's that anxiety there. And I maybe I should have, you know, taken control of my life and had said to them, like, no, listen, <laughs> you're throwing me this beautiful, you know, event and I appreciate it. I do need to be there early so that right. I don't have it. So it's not stressful for me. Yeah. Um, but I didn't do I mean, that. I think they would have understood that. And I but... think they would have. But it's that fear of being judged and. So you could have been like, I don't need to set up. I don't need to help you I'll set up. I'll just sit there and be I'll a princess. Sit, yeah, I'll sit there. <laughs> I'll start drinking the champagne early. Let's do this. <laughs> right? Um, but it is, it was, that's where it goes. Oh, gosh, that's the social anxiety aspect of it. Having to talk to people, having to walk into a room that's already in, in motion. Right. Um, is difficult for me. So, um, so there's my, my... When I first noticed it, it was very young in my, and then I just continued through my life. It just changed, which was interesting that it changed. Yeah. Um, as I as I grew up, and got older. Um, what about you know, getting help for social disorders or not social disorders, but anxiety disorders? Um, you know, it just depends on the individual. I personally have spoken to my doctor about it. Yeah. Um, and. Through our conversations, we've decided that I do not need to be medicated or anything like that, uh-huh. or like prescription medicine. But instead, I, I use other uh, over-the-counter medicine with a lower dosage of, of things. Um, but before that, <laughs> before that, uh, I did self-medicate in a way that was maybe harmful. Not which, it's so stupid. It was. In a way that contributed to my anxiety. Okay, how? Like in its alcohol use. Yeah. And alcohol is a depressant. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if I knew I was going into a difficult situation, a social situation, um, I probably would start off with a couple of drinks. Um, well, because which... even like the, the the norm is that it loosens you up. It sure. makes you more social. It... Right. It's going to loosen you up a little bit. And it did because it, it took away the inhibitions a little bit. Yeah. But it became, to a certain point, um, I relied on it to get okay. me through social situations. Yeah. And that's where it becomes dangerous, right? It's yeah. that now you have a, not, I mean, not an addiction to where, like, I need this every day, but I needed it to get through social situations. But then... That's where it could lead. If you didn't recognize it, that's where it could lead to the addiction of, I needed to get through this. Well, now I needed to get through this. Well, now I needed to get through this. And then in the end, you're waking up having to take a shot, like having to right. take a shot just to <laughs> wake up and get through like the morning routine. Right. And let's get, let's be very clear. I never got to that point. It would be like. Right, like it was. It would be like an evening social gathering of you know of peers or friends or something like that. That's the kind of thing. It wasn't to get through my work. Once I have like a routine, like my work routine. Yeah. I take comfort in the routine. Yeah. And that helps me get through the anxiety, the consistency. Right. But if it's like a social gathering where there's no routine and it's just just walk around and chat with people. That is difficult for me, and that's where I would rely on the alcohol. Uh-huh. Um, oddly enough, now that I'm turned 40, I've decided to reevaluate my relationship with alcohol. And I've been going through periods of sobriety 
Yeah. I don't want to say sobriety like I'm an alcoholic. What a, of dryness? Yeah. Which I, sounds like I need a cream. But <laughs> of, of, of not drinking. Of alcohol. not drinking yeah. for extended periods of time. Um, however, I do notice, you know, this past week, it's it's the first week of March. Um, the past two weeks, we can both agree we're stressful. Yeah. And I did go back to having a drink or two to get me through things um, in the evenings. Uh, but so I still, I have work to do. Yeah. I'm a work Always. in progress. Yeah. I'm not perfect, perfect yet. <laughs> um, I'm a work in progress and I'm going to keep, you know, trying to make sure that I am making the choices in my life that are healthy. Um, and just being aware of it too. And being aware of that I have a, that I relied, that I do rely on things to help me process my emotions. Yeah. I'm comfortable with, you know, my doctor is comfortable with me using the over-counter medication that I use. Yeah. Um, non-sponsored, I do use the Ollie Stress Gummies, O-L-L-Y. You can get them online, you can get them at Target. Um, but I have to have them every day. If I do not, if I, for some reason, don't take my, uh, my gummies, um, I will have a panic attack that day. And it has been a lifesaver to someone like me to be able to, um, excuse me, I'm going to, I'm crying just a little bit, but to function. And be feel normal. Sometimes just feeling that little bit of normalcy is important. Um, and it was strange that before or once I found this product, uh, how I realized that I had never felt normal, and it allowed me to feel normal. So when do you think to that point to where you where you should see a doctor, like. Um, when you're when it's interfering with your your life, <laughs> when you really can't function, um, that's when I had to reach out. Was when I was pretty much stopped going out yeah. because I didn't know when I would have a panic attack, or the fact that the panic attacks were stopping me from going out. Yeah. Um, though I was losing friendships uh, because it had gotten to the point where I just could not. I couldn't, I couldn't engage with people uh, more than one at a time. And kind of like what you said with working, you know, I, I work in a social kind of thing. You have to be excited with children. You have to be engaged with children. Right. Um, I used all my energy with my students and yeah. my person, you know, when it came to like, let's go. Out after work. You're like, well, if it was going out after work, alcohol had to be involved. To get over that home. Yeah. yeah to get me through it. Um, so it was interfering with my quality of life. So that, you know, when that's when you start to see a, a doctor is it's interfering with your work, your relationships and other parts of your life. Um, it's when you can't control it, you know, if it's happening so frequently. Yeah. You know, like we said, it's normal to feel anxiety in everyday life. It's normal. Yeah. Like... But it's when it's really is interfering and you can't control it anymore. Right, like, I've only had maybe, what, like, a handful, like, two or three anxiety mm -hmm. in my whole life. Right. So, yeah, it's when you're doing it, like, so frequently, yeah, like, you can't 
function. Yeah, I, I, I even had to the point where I was having anxiety attacks in class. Yeah. Where, oh, that was another thing. I realized that light triggers anxiety attacks in me. <laughs> you know, as you like get the, old. The like fluorescent lights? No. Um, just... Uh, sunlight. Sunlight? It, if it's just like that piercing light, or even a light bulb, anything that's just in my eyes where I feel like I'm being blinded by this light or it's yeah. too bright. Even though I love opening windows and I love brightness, um, but it's when that that sun is like right that in your ray the ray of of light is just so direct and concentrated that can trigger an anxiety attack for me. <laughs> so I will oftentimes be a person who might walk into one of my classrooms and and have to close the blinds if I'm going to be in there for a while because I it I can tell when I'm like oh this light is going to trigger it's going to trigger something on in me. Um, also, let's see when you should see a doctor. If you're, if you start to recognize, you know, other things happening like depression. So for me, I did see, I was starting to become depressed, um, and didn't know how to handle my depression. Yeah. So it was starting to like connect to other things, other health issues. Right. Uh, that's when you should see a doctor to get help. You know, don't be ashamed of it. Don't be afraid. When I brought it up to my doctor, she was very understanding and open and asked, like, what kind of treatments do I, would I be interested in? What, you know, she was very much, um, and I'm a person, I don't like going to the doctor. Like, I despise yeah. going to the doctor. Right. I always feel like they're just going to tell me something horrible, but I knew that I was suffering and that I was struggling um, and I couldn't do it on my own. You have to remember that the doctors are there to help you. Right. So the more information you give them, the more help that they can have. Right. Like, the, the more help that they can offer. Mm -hmm. So speaking about, like, yeah, I have anxiety and it's leading to depression now. And so they can help you, deal, like, with... Uh, they have the knowledge to help you. Right. So ask them for help. <laughs> and I that's mean, what I did. And it, and it, it did with through our conversations and we... Do, did I did it cure my anxiety? No, I still have it. You know, it's yeah. still affecting my life. Yes, it does. But I feel like I have tools right. to help me now that yeah. I didn't have before. Uh -huh. Or I had tools, but they were dangerous tools. Yeah, the wrong tools. Yeah. Like the unauthorized tools. The unauthorized tools. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, seek a doctor if you, of course, if you ever have suicidal thoughts or behaviors. Um and in that case, you you probably please seek emergency treatment immediately if you if you're contemplating suicide. Yeah, um, there's hotlines and there's seek professional help or reach out to family members if you feel like that. Uh, yeah, and if your family members reach out to you, uh, help them. Yeah, don't, don't don't tell them to get over it. Tell them, don't tell them to buck up. Don't don't tell them no. Come on, you can do it. Um, take it seriously. Take it's it serious. Every suicidal uh talk needs to be a serious suicidal talk right don't dismiss it um what are some risk factors of having anxiety uh just the added stress on the body yeah i'm guessing like uh probably at least like heart disease and right stuff like that mm-hmm Hypertension. Yeah. Uh, so it does lead to physical yeah. ail ailments. Um, some of the complications that come with 
anxiety are depression uh substance misuse <laughs> trouble sleeping <laughs> uh gastrointestinal intestinal issues headaches chronic pain social isolation problems functioning at school or work poor quality of life and then a suicide so out of those like complications i have most of those <laughs> <laughs> I have depression. I have in the past misused substances. I have trouble sleeping. I have uh, chronic pain. I have social isolation. Um, I don't have f problem functioning at work or school. Um, yeah. Well, I did have when I was younger at school, but as an adult, I don't have problems. I can. I've gotten really good at hiding my anxiety <laughs> attacks. <laughs> Uh, but it just looks like Andrea is a controlling person and, and, and can sometimes look like Andrea is unfriendly. Um, I'm not, I'm, if I, if I, if I, if I appear unfriendly or if I appear controlling, it's probably because of anxiety. Uh -huh. It's probably, I'm in the middle of an anxiety attack. Uh, so I don't do well with like on the fly, uh, no, let's just be... wing this. I don't do well with that. That's that's an anxiety attack waiting to happen. That needs to be planned out and uh -huh. have a yeah. Yeah, that so, so if it is like oh Andrea's just bossy, no, it's Andrea's trying to stop an anxiety attack from happening. Because <laughs> if an anxiety attack happens, then nothing that, will get nothing. Will, I can't do anything. Yeah, I can't function. So that's I mean. That's how I've been able to function at work. Poor quality of life. I, I feel like poor quality of life goes into that social isolation. That Right. Because. You missed out on stuff. I, because of. Yeah. I missed out on a lot. Yeah. Because of this. So my quality. Not like health quality. I guess my health quality too. Yeah. Yes. Yes to all of it. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, thoughts of suicide. Um. Yes, I've, I've had them. I think my faith saved me from them, but yeah. I definitely have had them. So, get help. <laughs> yeah. And, and Don't be afraid to talk about it. It's, yes. it's a normal thing. Like, people go through anxiety, like anxiety disorders. And there are people, there are ways of helping you to deal, to help, not deal with, but work through and handle it and if someone reaches out to you who has social anxiety they you know be patient with them yeah <laughs> that's one thing that i know that i've lost friends over is because i didn't share with them that i have social anxiety but um you know they were kind and, and they wanted like let's go out here let's go do this let's go do that yeah and i couldn't participate in it and they didn't, I didn't tell them why. Right. Um, and the, those friendships, you know, dropped off. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, and it's, that's why I want social anxiety and mental health disorders to be more open. So yeah. that people recognize it, if not in themselves, in others. Uh, and, and just show a little more patience and kindness um, and understanding that, okay, the reason why Andrea is doing this, the reason why Andrea can't come to my party might be because of this. Yeah. Not that she doesn't like me, not that she doesn't want to celebrate me. I one time didn't go to a friend's wedding because of it. it, it you know, that's so hard for me to admit. It can be crippling for people with anxiety. 
like yeah, with the social inter- social air, uh, interactions, just even walking out the door for some people, it's just hard to do that. Yeah, so we need to be more open about it and mm-hmm. give people a little more. I wouldn't say leeway, but be more sensitive to the fact that it might be some another underlying thing that's keeping them away from. Yeah, that sometimes. We really want to be there with you. We really want to celebrate with you. But we can't do it today. Right now. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe we'll do it in a smaller way. Right. Just the two of us. Maybe we'll do it in a a way that, again, the person with the anxiety can control it a little better. So that they can still enjoy life. I don't want to be medicated. That's a big part of it, too. Yeah. I don't want to sleep through the rest of my life. Yeah. At least with anxiety, I do feel that. Like, I'm not one of the people who's like, I don't want to feel anything. Yeah. I want to feel everything. Yeah. You know, like, I want to feel happy. I want to feel sad. I want to feel joy. I want to feel anxiety. I want to feel everything. Because to me, that's living. Right. That's part of life is emotions. And I feel I don't want to personally be medicated. I just want to learn tools to help me cope with it and be successful and to foster relationships and part of that is being more honest that for years upon years I lost so many friends because I wasn't honest right and so that's why we should we should make mental health disorders a public open thing without shame yeah and being honest about being sympathetic empathetic all of it, all of the aesthetics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, yes. like I, like we started off with, you know, anxiety is a normal part of life. Anxiety is felt by everyone. Yeah. It's just sometimes it's a bit more extreme. But you know, as a person who doesn't have social anxiety or any kind of anxiety disorder, you know what it feels like to be scared. You know what it feels like to be worried. To be nervous, to be not wanting to do something, but doing it anyway. Right. So it's not like this type of disorder is so foreign or hard to understand. Yeah. It's just the the difficult part is like, well, I just get over it and I get on the horse and, and you know, I, I fall off the horse and I get back on it kind of attitude. But for some of us, we can't get back on the horse. And that's the thing. Or getting on the horse again takes a little more effort. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's all. And just, if you have, you know, any kind of anxiety, some ways to get over it, or get over it, not to get over it, but to get through it, is staying active, which is what I try to focus on, is making sure that I, I participate in things I know I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to be around people I love and I care about. Um, you know, avoiding. I'm now at this late age of 40 realizing that i can't use alcohol to get through social situations so avoiding those kinds of things um and just finding ways to enjoy life and i think that's that's the way you combat anxiety as you remember joy (laughs) you remember the happy feelings yeah yeah So thanks for joining us today. This one was a serious one. I'm sorry. There's a couple of parts where my voice changed because I it's emotional for me and it's um, hard not to to cry when you're being so open and revealing. But 
That's part of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Bye.